Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Conversations from the Audio Chateau Occupational Therapy, a podcast where I look for my next job. Previously, I was the self-proclaimed king of all jingles, making more music for American television than any other composer of all time. No big deal. Just, uh, yeah, that was uh, my career. Didn't say that to impress you all. I hope you're not impressed. Uh, I don't want to do shtick on this podcast. That's not what I do. I think I'm feeling slightly comical because I'm going to talk with a comic genius of our time, a writer genius, and an all-around incredible person, Steve Levitan. If you own a television, you've probably seen his work. His early days working on Cheers, Frasier, Wings, a personal favorite of mine, and some other small show that you've probably never heard of called Modern Family. Yep. Talking with him about whether or not I might be cut out to be a television impresario, pioneer, entrepreneur, and the, uh, I don't know, I think I just mixed up all my titles. So anyways, Steve Levitan, I've known him for a while. We met a few years ago, as I've met most of my guests at Craig's. He approached my table and said, Jared, I'm a big fan of your work, yada, yada, yada. That's not true. He didn't do that. I uh, met him through a mutual friend named Jay Suris, one of the principals at UTA. We hit it off as friends, as human beings. Eventually, we did some work together. I composed on a, a pilot of his called L.A. to Vegas. You might not have seen it. It only lasted three episodes, but it was super exciting to get inside the mind of Steve Levitan, talk with him about how he made it. There's an incredible story about perseverance here and about not giving up. Also, an incredible story about luck, timing, circumstances of the market, and all of these things really are things that we preach with every conversation we have here. Without further ado, this is Steve Levitan, television legend and creator of Modern Family. Welcome to uh, Occupational Therapy. Uh, today's guest is a friend of mine and one of the biggest, if not the biggest, TV show runners and creators of all time, Steve Levitan. I know that there's no audience, but I'm applauding in my mind right now. because. Thank you. That was Oh shit! Hold on. <laughs> Look at this. Somebody's already calling me. This is this uh, is what happens. This is the new world. We're going. It's no frills. Uh, I guess it doesn't even. Okay, we can't even tell. So, uh, Zach, tell Steve what this show is all about. I will. I just want to make sure I'm looking at Wikipedia. I thought we were interviewing the Canadian lawyer and producer Stephen S. Levitan. <laughs> no, different guy. That would be the. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the uh, uh, um, goosebumps guy. Oh, um, yeah. He, uh, yeah. Very. Uh, I often get uh, mistaken for him, and people are p- typically disappointed. Oh, I love <laughs> well, goosebumps. <laughs> they love goosebumps. We're not disappointed to welcome you to the Occupational Therapy Podcast. Now, you know, Jared and I are good friends, and uh, he has been the most successful jingle writer in the world for the past 10 years, let's say. It's and not verified on Google no, or anything, but I've claimed it. You have no, no blue check mark, or you do? I do. 
he does. So, you know, that means something. Anyway, he's now been given a moratorium for two years on writing jingles and needs to find a new profession. So what we're doing here is I'm helping my friend find his next job. And we have talked to the cream of the crop when it comes to actors, restaurateurs, you know, Jason Flom, the gentleman who, who fights for criminal justice reform, uh, people who just have unique and cool jobs. And we can see maybe if Jared's qualified to move on with his career to do something in these fields, for instance, produce and uh, create television shows like you have so successfully done over the past however many years. And it's also an instructional guide for people who want to maybe get into the business. So take us back before you're Steve Levitan, man who's living in an apartment as big as my high school. Take us <laughs> way back before. Like, where did you, when did you realize that you were going to be writing for TV? And uh, take us even back to like your first job. Well, uh, so I, my first career, I've had several careers. Um, my first career was in TV news. I was a, uh, uh, a TV newsman. Um, I was a reporter and anchor man uh, for the ABC affiliate in Madison, Wisconsin. And you're Wisconsin. Your, your audience, of, of course, knows me from Good Morning, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> we have a big thing. Uh, Can we just real quick get an introduction, like how you would start off the uh, the morning show? Well, I, I don't remember that one, but I just remember when I was like a reporter, on, on you know, it, then it would be, you know, wherever I was, um, okay. you know, uh, live from Fitchburg City Hall, Steve Levitan, 27 Live Eyewitness News. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's a yeah. trustworthy voice. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a long time ago. Uh, I had very, very big hair. Was that the 80s? <laughs> that was the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Me and uh, David Lee Roth. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Second Van Halen reference on this show, by the way. Yeah. Today. Yeah, today, oddly yeah. enough. So, so you start there, and that doesn't sound like a great. It sounds like a great yeah, place to start. You're making things. You're on TV. Yeah, I thought it. Would, well, I, you know, I'm from Chicago, and and when you're in Chicago, there's there wasn't a lot of television, you know, uh, entertainment production. So the the big stars, the entertainers <laughs> who were local that seemed somewhat uh, attainable, were were TV news people. So. Um, I, I, I got into TV news because it was sort of show busy. Uh, I, I, I recently had dinner with a, uh, a person who is a major anchorman on one of the big networks. And, um, and, you know, I was telling him I used to do TV news. And I said, you know, I, I realized that I had gotten into it for the wrong reasons. I wasn't trying, you know, like I wasn't so committed to, you know, to, to, to uncovering the truth and getting to the heart of the matter I just wanted to be on TV and that didn't seem like the right reason to, to do TV honest, news. <laughs> and he said, he said, that's why we're all doing it. <laughs> like, like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, um, so maybe I should have stuck around, but um, so I did that for a few years and I realized that wasn't for me. Um, and then I, I moved to Chicago and uh, took a job at Leo Burnett um, doing advertising uh, where it was a little bit more creative. So, Everything was writing, everything was media, but it was always like taking a, a step more creative, I thought. Um, you know, from TV news, then to um, uh, a creative at, a, at an ad agency where I was writing 
and uh, campaigns and um, and producing Any, commercials. And, anything we so, would have heard of? Do you have like a famous uh, script that like put you on the map and and launched you? Um, I I worked on so I worked on um, Miller Beer, um, McDonald's, and um, Pillsbury uh, were my ah. big, my big campaigns. Um, so, uh, yes, I worked with the Pillsbury Doughboy, and he was a real prick. That's um, a very sensitive topic that. for me because kids used to tease me at the pool and in gym, and they'd put my <laughs> fat belly and go, yeah. hey, Pillsbury, fat boy. So you really stri- – You're about as white as he is, too. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about the Pillsbury Doughboy, like big, big drug problem, uh, womanizer. He was like the Charlie Sheen of uh, – <laughs> that era for you know product yeah but he had a little he had a tiny bit of humility because or maybe it was vulnerability because he always knew that he if you if he pushed it too far you could just pick him up and stick him in the oven oh my god there you go that's a (laughs) and then a few different careers that's good that's what jared's trying to do but did you have um like a moment like you know not to like be too cliche about it like everybody in advertising that i know is waiting to have their like that like ad that's like the big <laughs> one so that they can go dust off their spec script and move to hollywood did you have like no I, I i did i did you know like i worked on this i spent at least a year working on this uh beer from miller called um light genuine draft which was a test market beer which was competing against genuine draft light. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, ultimately uh, ours didn't go, but we made commercials at, like it did. Um, and we, and, and we came out to LA to shoot those commercials. And while I was in LA, this all seemed a bit more attainable to me. I met some people in the business. Um, I, I worked at an actual studio lot for a shoot and then, you know, I saw that those places were real and they were, uh, you know, I met, I met some people who worked in TV comedy and they were human beings and I'm a human being. So I thought, well, maybe it's not that far-fetched to, to go for this. Um, and so that's, while I, I, I didn't work on anything iconic, um, I, uh, you know, thought I did decent work on these lower profile things. You know, I had some national commercials for McDonald's and and whatnot, but um, uh, and then um, and then just you know, I decided it was best to move out to LA to try to make it in the business. And then I came out here and I started doing trailers and radio, TV, and radio commercials for um, Touchstone Pictures. How old were you then? I was about twenty eight, I think, something like that. And wow, yeah. that's is that. And if most most writers that you work with now, do they start pretty young? Are you getting kids coming out of film school, or you know, how do you even? Are you the person that even like looks at the you know submissions to figure out how to staff your writers' room? Like, not to skip ahead, but how old are these people that you're typically you know working with now in in a big writers' room? Well, you know, uh, we just I just came off of eleven years on Modern Family, so. Um, that staff was pretty senior. That may have been one of the oldest <laughs> staffs in the history of television. <laughs> um, I, I, I bet you the average age was, um, you know, 50 or so. Uh, maybe, you know, depending on, well, it was a long run there. But, you know, by the end, certainly. 
Um, uh, so, um, but, but it's not uncommon for people to start much earlier than I did. Um, I, I, I did start a little bit late. Uh, and so I've always felt like I had to make up for that. It um, seems like you, ju- I mean, you had like, you got to LA and pretty quickly turned, turned it around and got some writing work like a year later. How did that come about? Like- it, it wasn't quite, quite that fast, but, um, I started working for Disney, um, and while doing that, I, I had a couple of scripts. There's, you know, some stories there, but I, I basically wrote some spec scripts on my own and then, you know, tried to use my connections in Hollywood, which I was, was making by working in the business um, to get somebody to read them. Um, and so I, uh, it was sort of an interesting thing. I worked for Disney and, and when, when I, when they moved me out from Chicago, they said, you know, you'll have to sign this contract. And then, um, and then I, I, I moved out. I started working there. It was a pretty oppressive place at the time, in terms of uh, sort of fear-based. And and I remember I was came from a you know I was a creative and an ad agency. And suddenly, you know, I remember coming into work, and my boss told me I have to wear a tie. <laughs> and and I and I was like, oh no, this isn't going to work. But I, I I kept working there. And then um, you know after about a year, and I had done some good work there. They said, oh, now we want you to sign your contract. And I'm like, well, where were you the first year? You know, you didn't right. ask me to sign it the first year. And now, you know, it's, it's getting closer into breaking into TV business. So I said, um, you know, I don't really want to sign a contract right now because I think I want to get into television. And um, they said, well, if you don't sign a contract, you'll have to leave. And um, I said, well, how about if I, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather just stay and keep working. But how about if I just work freelance for you? And, um, and they said, yeah, do that because we can't have you stay on staff. So I switched over to freelance and, um, I asked one of our vendors, how much do you, do I charge for, you know, a trailer and for this? And they told me, <laughs> and my jaw dropped because yeah. my, my, my salary suddenly like tripled and, yeah. uh, I was working about half the hours and, um, it was crazy. And so, so then, you know, I was suddenly going, wow, this is actually like a career. And and then I got a, a, an opportunity to pitch on a television show from somebody that had read my script. I'd gotten a, I managed to get an agent. I got a, uh, you know, in that, that submission file. Is that the beginning? That wasn't Jay. That wasn't, that wasn't Jay. It was, uh, I had a, a, another agent for a year or two. And um, and I uh, got on the staff. I, I mean, he, excuse me, they submitted uh, my script to uh, the show Wings. And uh, two writers there, uh, Bill Diamond and Mike Saltzman, uh, picked it out of the pile. They liked it. And I got a chance to come in and pitch. And, um, you know, I, I pitched a story. They liked the story. I wrote a script. They liked the script. Um, and then they invited me to join um, the staff. Hell yeah. And, um, you know, I had a <laughs> – it was an interesting thing because I had to take a pay cut. Yeah, that. <laughs> uh, that's what they don't tell you about your dreams sometimes to accomplish your dreams you got to take a pay cut because that is the same thing that happened when i started jingle punks i was an editor and i was making like 700 dollars a day and i was like oh wait i'm gonna like work for free for myself so it's like it is a leap of faith yeah you 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 it was a it was a uh an interesting moment for me when they told me like okay this is what the starting salary is and um but of course uh, you know, there was no choice. That's what I wanted to do. And sometimes you have to do that. You have to take a step back to move forward. 
And um, that, and, that's and I, why we're here today. Steven. Yeah, <laughs> Zach's salary on this podcast is outrageous. Yeah. Pearl of wisdom one. I'm getting a Popeye's um, fried chicken sandwich for this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was, uh, and then I joined, I joined the staff of wings and that was, that was the beginning. So I think it was about, that was a long answer to your question. And I didn't really even answer it. It was about a year <laughs> and a half. I think. You know, I mean, but uh, look, I've spent 20 something years in this town writing and, and that doesn't happen a lot, you know, a year and a half is not a long time, but I think maybe oh, no. coming in, I, coming in a little later at, you know, might've helped you a lot too. Yeah. I, I got, um, I, I, uh, I got very lucky for sure. And, uh, the uh you know i've known steve a long time but i often his resume is uh insane but i often introduce him as the man who used to write for wings <laughs> and uh don't be mad at me i've probably watched more episodes of wings than modern family just because that was like that was constantly on what did that follow Would that follow cheers well it's the the two uh, the three guys who created wings uh they had all written on cheers and then they um wow created wings and then they went on to create Frasier. so tell us what happens next so you're on wings for a little bit and then what? i'm on wings um and i mean i don't know how granular you want me to get here <laughs> um but I, I i i during while on wings i got an opportunity to write for uh am i during my hiatus uh to write a script for the show called the critic I remember that animated show. Was that John Lovitz. John yeah. Lovitz. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was done by the Simpsons guys. And, um, and so that was uh, a very cool thing. And then they offered me a staff job and I actually was really interested in doing it, but um, I, you know, I was on a contract at, at wings and, um, and, 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 the, and the, and I, but I really wanted to go to the critic. Like I really thought that was a really clever great show uh, when we were writing it and then it kind of went on the air and failed quickly. So that was a good lesson of, um, you know, don't always believe the hype and uh, you never know, no matter how funny a script is, you don't know how it's going to turn out in the end. And um, so then I, I, I stayed on wings. Um, then in my third year at wings, the guys left to do Frasier, the, the showrunners. And I wanted to go with them. Uh, because I thought that was going to be a great show. And um, they wanted me to stay back and um, and man the ship at Wings, which I totally understand now. And I was kind of getting cocky at that point. Um, <laughs> so they convinced me to stay back, um, and I did. And then um, in my fourth year of Wings, where my contract was finally up, they did offer me a, a position at Frasier. Um, but at the same time, uh, I was offered uh, a position at Larry Sanders and a, and a deal to, to join that show and to develop shows for Brillstein Gray. Wow. And um, that was a really difficult decision. And this was a, one of those, like, wow, I was so lucky to have a decision even to make like that. Um, I really was. Uh, and, and I understand that, but it was a tough decision at the time because, um, I'd written two Frasers at that point. I, I wrote two episodes of Frasers, Frasier while on wings and they liked them and, and they did well. And, um, and 
I thought that I could grow more by going to Larry Sanders because it was such a different way. Like I hadn't done single camera and it was a very different way of um, doing a show and, and Frasier in all of its brilliance was a bit more of a traditional sitcom. Mm -hmm. And I thought I would grow more on Larry Sanders. So um, I, I took the Larry Sanders job um, and that, that was a little bit of a a blow to the guys who had, (laughs) Uh, mentored me and nurtured me, and um, and uh, I again I understand that now and and uh, look back on that with some regret. Um, I know why I did it. I did it for the right reasons, but it, it was tough for them. Uh, we've mended all that, um, but um, uh, anyway, I I joined Larry Sanders, and I was supposed to just be a, a like a, a staff member for a year. Um, and then the showrunner at the time was going to leave at the end of that year, and then I would take over. So that was how, how it was presented to me, which was a big thing for somebody who had only worked on Wings and, and written a couple episodes of Frasier. So, um, but I I, uh, I accepted that, and then uh, before I even started at Larry Sanders, that showrunner got in a huge fight with Gary Sandling and left. <laughs> and um, and suddenly I was the showrunner and I hadn't ever worked there and I had no single camera experience <laughs> and it was insane nice. that I was there. It was and and it another was, salary cut. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> the uh, the Apato documentary we've talked about this. It's an amazing insight into the world of Gary Shandling. But at the time, did you know that you were working on a legendary show? Like, was it considered the All Star team of comedy, or it, did that just grow in legend over the years? No, it was it was you know an instantly great show with you know an unbelievable critical buzz, um, and Gary's a, you know Gary was a genius, um, you know, and, and as that that documentary you know showed, he was a difficult at times genius, but he, he was a genius. So you know I had tremendous respect for him, um, but he also went through uh, um, many 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 showrunners on that uh show and in his career and um and you know i i i worked there for a while i i i, I we did a bunch of good episodes one of them got nominated for an emmy wow. um good things you know it was very cool and then you know i could feel like when it was it, uh when gary sort of just turned and it felt like oh this is um this is not going in a good direction at which point um you know, I left the show and um, and the Frasier guys graciously took me back. <laughs> so I went back to Frasier for a year, one year during which that year I developed or created and developed uh, Just Shoot Me. By the way, that's a great survival skill for people to be. I've learned that in my career as well, to be able to be leave someone and be taken back in, in a in a workplace environment is truly like a gift when you like are like have that hard conversation. You're like, I got to move on. You're like, oh, by the way, can I come back? And they welcome you back. That's that's a skill. Well, it's a it's a tremendous it, it was tremendously gracious of them to do that. I can certainly understand why I wanted to do that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, had they been jerks, um, had they been vindictive, they wouldn't have, but they were nothing but um, gracious about it. 
so fast forward us to um, just talk about just shoot me, but get us to that. And then I want to just dive into modern family uh, for the back half of this. Sure. Um, so while I was at Larry Sanders, and again, it just goes to show you that weird things happen and all, all for all sorts of reasons. While I was at Larry Sanders, I had this idea for an episode. It was a year that Gary, uh, that Larry, excuse me, yeah. that Larry was dating, uh, was dating a lot. Um, he, uh, his character had broken up with his regular girlfriend and, um, and he, he was dating. So, um, I had this idea for an episode where he was dating a supermodel of some sort and, um, and she's she comes to the show, and she's, they're going to go out for dinner right afterwards. And Larry gets uh, called into an emergency network meeting over something important. And he says to Janine Garofalo's character, who is a talent booker, um, just sit with her, just keep her company for uh, a half hour. And um, and they, he sticks them in a room. And I thought that would be a great episode, you know, <laughs> to have that story, like you know, have that you know, go back and forth between whatever meeting was going on with him. But the idea that Janine Garofalo would basically unravel next to this supermodel who's <laughs> just so effortlessly beautiful and Janine Garofalo's character who, um, you know, uh, espouses that beauty isn't important and that's not what matters is completely insecure and, <laughs> and made insecure by her beauty and to see where those two kind of come out. So I thought that would be a really great episode and I never got to do it. I left before I ever got to do it. But it put that idea in my head of like, what's it like for people who work around beautiful people um, who maybe are not so beautiful themselves? And what's that like for them? That mm -hmm. must be really a strange thing. Um, and so I, I became interested in the sort of the model agency bookers who, you know, were a pretty rough bunch. Um, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're very aggressive and they're, you know, it's very like New York centric kind of a thing. What's it like for them? And I thought that maybe be, would be an interesting area for a show. And then I built into it a father-daughter because I heard that this one father bought his daughter the Wilhelmina Modeling Agency. <laughs> um, and then I uh, thought it would be interesting if, um, you know, like Christy Hefner was running um, Playboy for a while. And I thought that was an interesting dynamic. Anyway, I sold the show to NBC about a modeling agency. Um, I went away, I wrote the pilot. Now I'll try to move faster. I went away, um, I wrote the pilot, and they, they, they read it. They're like, it's good, it's good. And they gave me like 20% notes. And I just felt in my bones that that was good, not great. There was something wrong. So I, I beat myself up for, you know, I don't know how many nights trying to figure out what was wrong with it. And it finally occurred to me that, that this daughter character in the show, played by Laura San Giacomo eventually, has no chance of ever changing a modeling agency. If you're running a modeling agency, it is what it is. But if it were a fashion magazine, if it were a Cosmo kind of a magazine, um, you have a chance to actually make a difference there. So I changed that. Everything fell into place. Um, and I sold it. To, um, or, and then we uh, made the pilot. Uh, and uh, they eventually put it on the air. That process was what? Like a year, two years to go from like, Sanders idea to all of a sudden, you know, creating it and like, how quick does it happen when you have an idea? Well, it was, um, Sanders. I left Sanders. I rejoined Frazier, uh, probably within a month or two. I pitched 
this idea to the network. Wow. I would then, you know, was writing it at night and, you know, um, Frasier during the day. Um, and then, uh, you know, by um, pilot season that year, I so that was probably in the, you know, in the late summer. Yeah, at least like the late summer, early fall. And I was, uh, you know, shooting it as a pilot the following spring. Oh, my God. So uh, and then at that point, that's is that your first major payday when you're like, wow, I'm like all of a sudden going from it's a job to uh, if this goes, I could be very, very successful at it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's the first thing I'd ever created ever. The first original thing I'd ever written that was that, that didn't involve someone else's characters. So I really didn't even know if I could do it. Um, but yeah, once I, once it, you know, it's a long story how that plays out, but, um, you know, I was on a deal at Brillstein Gray and when then that deal, um, you know, came to its end, uh, you know, then, uh, because I had a show on the air, uh, I, I was able to sort of jump to that next level. <laughs> and, uh, uh, during your, uh, Fraser, your, uh, wings in your this era any emmys yet any nominations any wins during that era um <laughs> well a funny little story is um so i wrote this i co-wrote this episode of uh, larry sanders called roseanne's return um and then i left the show and then i joined frazier and then um there was a period there uh where there was a time when kelsey Grammer had to he stepped away from the show for little while to deal with some health issues and um we hear you. Um, yes and um and so we uh we needed to come up with a uh an episode very quickly that he wasn't in so um the entire staff uh sort of pitched out a story and um a lot you know a lot of people everybody was involved in that and then um it needed to be written over a weekend but i was already writing the script for the 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 I, need, I was already writing the, the script after that or the script. I don't remember something else. So everybody took a scene except for me. Yeah. And then, um, uh, and then they decided in another gracious gesture, we'll just put everybody's name on the script. Huh. And, um, and they, we brought it back. And I remember going to the first run through of that episode. And, and by then Kelsey Grammer had come back and, and decided to direct that episode. <laughs> and, um, and I remember watching it in the, in the run through and I turned to someone, I said, this is going to get nominated for an Emmy. <laughs> and, um, so sure enough, the Emmys come out or the Emmy nominations come out. Roseanne's return is nominated. So I get nominated for that. Frazier gets nominated for a show. Uh, I'm nominated for that along with the Sanders as well. And then, um, this episode Damn. of Frazier called moon dance is also nominated. Damn. So, um, so it gets, it gets nominated. Everybody's nominated. So now I'm sitting with the Frasier writers at the Emmys. Um, and, <laughs> you... and, and we go, here we go. And the, uh, and I'm now competing against all of them because my episode's up. Roseanne's Damn. return. It's a big, uh, a nice, a nice high profile show. And the Emmy goes to Moondance. And it was in fact the Frasier episode. Suddenly every single writer that I'm sitting <laughs> with gets up. Right around me, and they all go up on stage. <laughs> I'm uh, the only writer who did. Dude, get, you're uh, like, do I stand? Do I do, do, do I go? Do, do. <laughs> did you get and, a trophy uh, for it though? 
I did not because I didn't, I wasn't, you know, my name wasn't on the script as a writer. Now, again, in another, in a, yet another gracious gesture, uh, I think it was Joe Keenan who accepted on behalf of everybody mentioned my name, I think. <laughs> um, it, uh, but, um, you know, I, 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 cause I was involved in the episode, but I just didn't write one of the scenes. Um, <laughs> so That's it's funny. funny. It's fine. Um, but then yeah. we end up get winning that night and I got my first Emmy then. Jared wow. has a very similar story about the ASCAP awards. <laughs> I've been trying to win awards for things I haven't done for, uh, for years now. I have, <laughs> I've tried fucking really hard. Uh, by the way, we're going to send you, cause we're not done yet. We're going to send you another zoom invitation right now. Cause this runs out in four minutes. We're just going to have you just rejoin. See as it resets the clock. And then we're going to do one. Can I, can I just tell you to pop to the 1595 a month? I, dude, it's not my fault. This is like startup to 1.0 here. I literally don't have a credit card with the company's name on it. And I just submitted like $300,000 worth of invoices for dinners at Craig's to our new investors. And they're like, wow, wow. They like freeze the spending till we get the investment locked. Oh, we're, we're sending it to you right now. Brought to you by Zoom. And we're back. Um, so um, you have, uh, you know, now award credibility you've created your own show obviously you know uh just shoot me uh runs for a while and um actually one of my favorite people spade was on that show um and then where do you go from what what happened after that like because i don't i'm not too familiar with what you did directly before modern family well yeah so um just shoot me uh debuted in 1997 um, there's a whole story there, but I'll spare you. And, hmm. um, uh, it, it was going very well. Um, it, it did get nominated for uh, like a script I wrote, uh, called slow Donnie got nominated for an Emmy. Um, but it was sort of that second tier show in terms of the network, the, the network had Seinfeld it had friends, you know, we were not on that level. Um, but we were the little, the little engine that could um, we were on for seven years um, during that time we were in 13 different time periods. So um, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't, it was, it was almost like NBC was playing whack-a-mole with the audience with our show. As soon as the audience found us, they would move us again. Um, it, <laughs> it was insane. But um, what happened was in my third year or fairly early on, um, I, I got an offer from Fox to go do an overall deal with them. I wanted to stay with the show. I asked the, the, the current, um, uh, my current studio to, to just sort of come to match that offer. They wouldn't, I said, well, could you at least come close? And they, um, wouldn't. And, uh, and I, I think they just thought I wouldn't leave. And, um, I got mad and I left. Hmm. So I took that, other offer and I, I stayed with to shoot me um till the end but as just you know as a basically as a consultant i would come in i would give notes i would go to the table reads and and um and and that was it so um so that was a that was tough i felt like uh, looking back on it i felt like i left that show a little too early yeah, like in it seems like in the world in the realm of Seinfeld or in that era with Friends, they would actually have a development process that would allow shows to actually breathe beyond it just popping the first week, spending money on marketing, and then if it doesn't perform, they just like shelve it. I feel like that was a time when there was only so many channels, and if they spent the money, they were going to try and make it work, especially if you had a fan at the network. 
Yeah, but I, I don't know that we. Well, this is different because this is a studio issue, you know. Um, and the, and at the beginning, the studio, the, the network didn't even like to shoot me. Like they didn't think it was going to work at all, and it ended up working way better than they thought. They they thought they were going to burn off our episodes and and we would get, die a quick death. And we ended up beating um, this other show that was you know really uh, had a ton of promotion behind it. Um, it was on every bus and billboard in America, and uh, and it debuted, and we beat them the first night. Our first night, we beat them. What was that yeah, show? That was the Arsenio Hall um, uh, sitcom. Ah. Hmm. And, and so when that happened, everything changed. Suddenly we were, you know, a viable show, and they talked to me differently um, and all that. But, you know, we weren't friends, and we weren't Seinfeld. And um, there were those on, on, at the network who liked us and those who didn't. And, uh, you know, there were – during our run, during our seven-year run, there were three different network presidents – um so you know it's just you get lost in the shuffle you're not one of the high priorities you're not on on that first tier um you just you kind of get the crumbs um and that's what we got but it listen it, we 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 did run for 7 years we made 148 episodes Damn. and um and they're really funny and uh you know I'm proud of them so um I'm uh I look back on that show very fondly, um, but I, I did leave, and then I created you know a bunch of other shows. I think I created, um, or was involved in in the development of you know uh, about nine shows between wow. Just Shoot Me and um, Modern Family, and uh, you know some of them you know were went on the air. Uh, several of them were on the air. Um, a show called Stark Raving Mad. I remember um, that. Greg the Bunny. I um, remember that. Oliver Bean. Um, I remember that. A show called Stacked. Don't know um, that one. That's the yeah. one I remember because that was a Pam Anderson one when she yeah. was like the hottest. Yeah. Stacked. Uh, there, there's a whole story there, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and then and then um, you know, some pilots, a Phil Hendry pilot, a. Uh, uh, um, you know, a couple, a few couple other pilots. Um, one based on my TV news days, and that's then I the did, one. Um, and, uh, wait, whatever. go back. I, did, I missed you there, Zach. Oh, I was saying I, as when I was a younger actor, I auditioned for With You and Spirit as one of the TV reporters in about 2002 oh. or something. Yeah, there oh, might be did. a tape of me somewhere out there. Whoa, because it was like Spirit, New Mexico, or Spirit, Arizona, right. something like yeah, that. But it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds like you nailed it, Zach. I, Didn't I like, get it. I like that show. Um, <laughs> And the the uh, guy who played um, basically played me <laughs> was uh, Reed Scott, who uh, went on to be in right. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, is and, that a trip uh, when you all of a sudden you know uh, have to cast yourself? Um, you know, it was a character loosely based on me. Um, but yeah, I made him. I made sure he was a really good looking guy. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's that's why I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was a, yeah, he was a, impossibly handsome. Um, Did so you ever like, feel inward? He's he's perfect. <laughs> he's me. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> Did you ever feel un- inward pressure from the studios to like when you didn't have shows work for a few years to be like, uh oh. Maybe it's the end of uh, of the road here. Like, were you freaking out at any point, or you just kept so busy it didn't matter? It it, it mattered because I'm um, 
ultimately a um, kid from the Midwest. And there are those people who approach life like, hey, if they're paying you the money uh, and, you, and it doesn't work, it's tough. Uh, you know, that's the deal. It doesn't always work. Uh, I don't think that way. I, I, you know, I made money from my old company. Then Fox came along and paid me, um, you know, paid me handsomely mm-hmm. for a long time. And I you know, became very, you know, good friends with the studio heads and the people. And they were very supportive of me. And I wanted to deliver a hit. Uh, and it bothered me that I didn't, you know, in, in fact, what I did was even worse than somebody who doesn't even get stuff made because there's nothing more expensive than, you know, a show that goes one year and dies. You know, it's a lot of deficit, a lot of money. It's a lot of time. It's better to have a quick death and not get it picked up. So, you know, I cost them quite a bit of money over the years. Um, and, um, you know, I would try to remind myself, well, it's, it's Rupert Murdoch's money. So, so this is just money not going into the Republican coffers. Um, it's uh, coming out of Bill O'Reilly's salary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sean Hannity won't be able to get the good air conditioner. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's but so I, many I, jokes I, in there with this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, but I, then after uh, about eight failed shows, Wow, and, and 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 part of the reason was often I did a bunch of shows in a row for Fox Network, and I just don't think I belong on Fox Network. Okay. Um, so I I think that's one of the reasons it just doesn't. I don't know, it just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I I actually went in and my deal was up, and I think they would have renewed my deal again because I the one thing that they said to me was we always appreciate that you. You, you always get right back up. You dust yourself off and you get right back up and you do it again. And that was their, you know, they, that was the compliment that the studio had paid me. And I, I think they would have re-upped me. And, and I proactively felt so embarrassed that I had failed so many times. that I said, you know what? Don't re-up me. I'm going to take a break. I got to figure out why I'm hmm. failing. Wow. So, um, so I, I, I took six months off. I, I, went to a therapist, you know, and I talked to him and, and, you know, he said, what do you want? I said, I want to do a show that, um, is, you know, I want to do a, uh, a, a show that wins awards. I want to do a show that's respected by my peers. I want to do a show that's successful. Um, and I don't know if I could be happy until I do that. And he said, well, you're going about it all wrong because you're, you're wanting your happiness to come from, you know, the outside when your happiness needs to come from within. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this guy's from, he's a Harvard educated, very, you know, doctor. And, and I, you know, and I, I thought this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know me. I gotta, I gotta go back to the TV. And, <laughs> and that's when you created stacked, right? <laughs> yeah. and that show was stacked. Um, so I, uh, uh, I, I, but I knew, look at fundamentally, I knew I was capable of doing more. I just knew it. I knew it in my bones. And I was like, why am I not, you know, why am I not um, uh, accomplishing what I want to accomplish here? Uh, Because I feel like I have the ability. So um, I end up uh, pairing up with uh, an old friend, Chris Lloyd. um, And we set about 
because he was in a similar situation where he had some things that didn't work. And he was, uh, he ran Frazier for, um, you know, all of its good years or all of its years, uh, or excuse me, for, for all of the good years, six, six of its years, yeah. um, <laughs> something like that, or, or maybe even more. Um, uh, and, um, and so we, we decided that it was, let's, let's try to, let's try to shake it up a little bit and, and do something together. So we created, uh, the show, which we thought like, this cannot miss. We have a good idea, which again was loosely based on my TV news years, but it was a different take on it. We had, um, we got Kelsey Grammer. We got Patricia Heaton. We got Fred Willard. We got Josh Gad. We got Ty Burrell and we got Jimmy Burroughs. And, uh, and me and Chris Lloyd and a bunch of good writers, there's no way this thing can fail. Mm -hmm. And then it went on Fox, which it never should have gone on. And, um, and it was the wrong fit to that network. And then the writer's strike happened and we came back to the writer's strike and they canceled us. Wow. Uh, in favor of another show that we thought was, was, was quite, uh, was not as funny. Um, but you know, again, one of those weird things happened. We, you know, we're pissed about it. Uh, Chris was especially pissed about it. Um, but it was time to get back to work. And, um, you know, but I think we, had we been on CBS with that show back to you, um, we, we would have, we, we would have been on the air for, you know, 10 years. Um, Hmm. but we were on Fox and we got canceled, but it forced us to go go back to the drawing board and we came up with a couple ideas for shows, but we kept coming in and saying, you know, what'd you do this weekend? And we kind of realized that the funniest things we were talking about were the things happening in our own homes. So we decided to take a crack at a, what's a new way to do a family show. And that's uh, where modern family began. Damn that. So, and was that, uh, you know, that term modern family, you know, that's like now like kind of a, a colloquialism or some, the way that people just describe, oh, modern family, you know, like uncoupling. You kind of did you invent that word or was that something that was just like floating around the ether and you just like, you know, that at the time it was just like a woke way of saying, you know, different, you know. No, in fact, our original title was called My American Family because originally the concept was this was a story of three families told through the eyes of a Dutch documentary filmmaker. <laughs> um, and there's a whole backstory to that. And, and we, we sold it that way. We wrote the pilot. We had the Dutch documentary filmmaker do a little intro and an outro. And um, he was a very sort of funny, subversive, kind of weird character. And then we read the pilot we just wrote and realized we didn't need him at all. It <laughs> just fell right off. And then there were the, the title, My American Family, was somehow unavailable. Um, and so uh, it was already taken up by some other show somewhere. And um, so they, we, we had to come up with something else. And uh, we just stumbled on this. Uh, and it was so basic and so simple that, you know, it just worked. Stuck. Yeah. Um, oh, that is absolutely. And I, look, this is not even supposed to be like, uh, you know, a biopic of, of what happens, you know, in the modern family thing. This is, this actually perfectly takes us to sort of a, 
amazing array of, of incidents that bring you to actually where your career, I guess, theoretically begins, even though your career had, um, you know, sort of, I think many people in their careers are always waiting for that, that moment where they're like, Hey, I'm not really doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing, but I guess the point of it is that everything led you to that, you know, you have to fail a whole bunch of times. And, you know, the fact that you even doubled down on partnerships that weren't working, you know, you and Chris Lloyd do a show, it gets canceled. The logic would be, let's not work with that guy anymore. But then you guys go again, you know, I, I guess that's really the fascinating thing about the creative process. Yeah, I mean, you, you just have to, uh, you know, there's a lot of little lessons here, but you know, you just have to, it's as sometimes it's as simple as, as fail, get up, and go again. Um, learn what you can from it and, and try again. As he's walking by his wall of Emmys and other <laughs> yeah. orders of sorry, Canada sorry. awards and all these other sorry, things. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so how many, give us the, the stats before, because this is a great end to, to the episode. Tell us, uh, you know, along the way, how many seasons, how many Emmy wins, how many, uh, you know, tell us the stats on the show. Um. We did 11 seasons, 250 episodes. Jesus. Um, and when you consider that we do three or four ep- stories per episode, that's a lot of stories. Um, and uh, I don't know how many total Emmys we've won. Um, the show itself won uh, five uh, consecutive um, Outstanding Comedy Series Emmys, um, which ties the record uh, set by Frasier. <laughs> wow so um uh that was a, a an interesting little through line there um it uh i i've i i won um i personally won eight emmys from modern family and one from Frasier um from my season on that show um and uh you know a bunch of other writers guild awards uh you know the show modern uh, modern family did the Writers Guild Awards and Humanitas Awards and a Peabody Award and wow. uh, Golden Globe and et cetera. Dude, that's amazing. Well, Steve, like, honestly, uh, just knowing you, you know, the last few years, you're, it's been amazing seeing the story and actually finally for the first time hearing what my friend Steve Levitan does for a living because I thought he was just the guy I go to dinner at uh, Craig's with every night with our with our group. <laughs> I sort of knew a little <laughs> bit about uh, your career, but this is fascinating. And, you know, to be honest, uh, of all the people that we've spoken to, everyone seems to have this amazing story that takes them indirectly to, to, to an amazing outcome. And this is just another one of those things. So I'm going to earmark this in my uh, occupational journalist, something that I think I could possibly be good at in the future. I want those awards, whether or not I earn them or I post <laughs> off someone else, I'm willing to do whatever to get those and have them on my wall. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, uh, listen, I look forward to seeing you back at Craig's. Yes. Yeah. Last thing, how are you hanging in there? I know that we've been talking a little bit. Are you being creative? Are you getting a lot done? Are you losing your mind? This is in the midst of COVID here. I'm actually getting a lot done. Um, uh, I am writing a script with three other people um, and we're working via Zoom and uh, a a program where we can work on one script online. And um, and it. it's been quite productive. I mean, I, I, it, it's been great because I wake up every day. I have, um, we work for three hours, 
uh, 10:30 to 1:30, and um, uh, where we, you know, and we're 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 cranking through it. We'll have a, you know, a finished first draft by the end of next week, and um, and and it's been quite quite productive. It's just the right amount of of work um, these days. You know, I could do some other things in the afternoon, other other projects, but it's like a perfect thing where it gives me a sense of purpose, um, something to do every day, uh, and and a bit of a distraction from all this craziness. And so I consider myself extremely lucky that I am, uh, you know, in terms of timing and just my career, that I can I could, uh, you know, work from home right now and and and. Um, keep going. So uh, I, I know how lucky I am. Well, stay safe, wash your hands. Hopefully this will be all be over soon and I'll see you back at Craig's man. You're the best. You're the best not, buddy. See you I'm soon. not invited. I won't be there. I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye everyone. I don't know anything about this dinner. Steve Thank, you guys. Yes. Thank you for listening to occupational therapy conversations from the audio chateau audio chateau is our studios in mandeville canyon if you're a fan of what we do please check us out on instagram you can see videos and pictures of us doing stuff here day to day it's an incredible facility if you like the podcast please give us five star reviews and tell people to tune in and if you have any questions about the podcast feel free to dm or reach out to us anytime through any of our channels and tell us conversations you'd like to hear us have we have an incredible rest of the season coming up including neil brennan creator of Chappelle show we have other incredible television personalities like fred savage and we have the brilliant people behind uh kids bop e1 entertainment and countless other tech sports and music entrepreneurs coming up i think everybody will like these episodes so please share it check it out and tell a friend I'm Jared Goodstadt, formerly Jingle Jared, and I thank you for listening to today's episode. Hey, how'd it do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.